Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Hey everyone, great to be here with you again and I do hope you are keeping safe, as safe as you can. You can call through anytime, 94841927. You'll be speaking to Bev Daring. Our researcher, John Glidden, is standing by as always. And of course, we have our email address if you'd like to contact us by email, and that is gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And a big shout out to the witty and clever Alan Simons. I enjoy his breakfast music and he plays music that is just that little bit different that you don't hear every day. And I like the fact that all of our presenters have that little bit of personal touch in their music. Uh, It's great for the variety for we, the listeners and consumers, and not forgetting our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, for his update just now. Jim returns at 10am with the classic 60s for you. So he will be back. Okay, Faya Caro, how's it going? How was your weekend off? I had a lovely weekend, thank you. I wouldn't say it was relaxing. We no, were on the go, chasing no. around the little ones. When you've ones. got grandchildren, yeah. <laughs> Splashing in puddles mm. because we had rain in Margaret River. Ah, okay, mm. yeah. But I got to see my grandmother. She'll be turning 100 in three weeks. That's so amazing. that was lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Purpose for the trip, yeah. It was, Yeah, yes. so a quick trip but lovely to get mm. away, just the same, change of scenery. It's a good break. You make it to the Crooked Carrot every time. Oh, I love that I've, place. You know, I've never been there. And the bees, like if anyone's going heading down the Forest Highway towards Bunbury, the Crooked Carrot is a lovely cafe and they've got wrecks and playgrounds like farm junk and gardens, bits, yeah, lots of uh, veggies and there's bee hotels there. Bric-a-brac, really. Yeah, yeah, buzzing around the uh, lavender, I think it was blue banded bees Mm. but then in the flowering garlic chives Mm. oh my goodness wasps and flies and bees it was just a buzz it was Mm. great Mm. and i saw a picture of a bee with a red face yes yes well the one with the red eyes is red eyes is it orifrons yes and she has she has red eyes. She's the only one with red eyes. Oh, really? She. Yeah, okay. Yep. Has to be a she. Well, the males have two-tone coloured eyes. Oh. But you don't... But how look... do you get close enough to work that out? Or do you pick it up uh, on a lens? Well, I just stand there, Ray. I, I just mm. stand paused and I'm ready. And I've followed enough of their behaviour that I you can... can pick it. Yeah, I get... It's, it's like uh, shooting targets. You kind of track them and boom. You get it. Mm, okay. We're chatting with Lisa Passmore this morning at 20 past eight. We're t- Lisa is a landscape designer, horticulturalist and lecturer, and her company is called Inspired by Nature. We're going to have a four-part series, step-by-step, step, about how you'd go about landscaping and designing your own 
front and back areas. So it will be very interesting to chat with her. Front and back areas. Front and back areas. <laughs> backyard. Well, I didn't want to. You know what? I didn't want to say backyard. It seems so. Well, it might such not an ochre thing it, to say. It might be a small space, a yeah. courtyard. It it could be yep. any any area. Yeah. Front, back, sides, sides exactly. Top, rooftop. Yeah. Yes. All yeah. the things all you the need walls. to consider. Okay. And and a pity, but the Perth Garden. Uh, festival has been postponed till October. That is the latest news this week. It has been postponed. We all understand why. And everything is just a moving feast at the moment. And we have to just roll with it as much as we don't want to. Oh, look, we've got yeah. nothing to complain about no, here. No, really? no. No, the COVID is, is moving in. It's it's closer than we'd all like it to be. And I think we possibly potentially all know someone that's has it or had it or, yeah, or know of. Uh, it's it's really about staying vigilant as best as you can. This mm. is all we can do and uh, look after ourselves. Enough of us. Let's go straight out to the lines. We're in Dianella. We're talking about one of my faves, Wisteria. Caroline, hi. Hi. Hello, ladies. Hi, How are you all this morning? Very good. That's good. Now, um, I just wanted to know when I'm supposed to cut my Wisteria back. Is it the start of spring or now? Well, after it flowers... You will probably find that it puts on a lot of whippy new growth, so you yeah. can bring that back into check. Don't take too much of it off. Like if you just manage it so that it stays in the space where it is. If you do prune it too hard, you can cut off next year's flowers because it will will flower on old wood. Yeah, there's two different sorts, isn't there? Mm. They behave differently, don't they? So just. Know. For now, I would just cut back that whippy growth. Okay. Yep. Okay, I can do that. All right. I didn't get many flowers this year, so Okay. Anyway. So if you Lovely. had pruned it previously and given it a, a harder cut back, then you may have pruned off the flowers. So by taking off just the whippy growth, you're leaving the older wood and that is most likely where your flowers will come from. Right. Okay, then. Yes, I will do that. All right. Well done. Lovely. Okay. Thank you. Good Bye. luck, Caroline. Oh, thank you. Bye. And let's go to one Dowie. And we're talking about some pruning. Sharon, good morning. Good morning, ladies. Um, thank you for a great show. It's uh, one of my favourite things to do on a Saturday morning is to listen to you people. Oh, Our favourite thing too, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> um I've got, I bought a property up here maybe six years ago and um, it's got numerous fruit trees on, um, more fruit trees than one two and a half acre property I think should have. Um, I was wondering when the, is the best time to prune the orange trees and the lemon trees back. Um, I don't think they've been touched for a number of years. Um, I've given them a little bit of a haircut here and there, but I haven't done anything major to them and I've also got a very large bougainvillea which is about four meters high and about two and a half meters wide and it's all kind of one-sided from where it is and I'm worried it's going to end up going right over how much can I prune off and when can I do it please you can be quite tough on that and you can do it now that'll keep you busy for a while Sharon um, yeah. but yes prune it back to um Get it back in check. With your other trees, uh, for starters on your citrus, go through and take out anything that's dead, diseased, dying, 
or Twiggy mm -hmm. and yep. crossing in the middle. Okay, so that's one of the first things to do. You yep. can give it a cut back now. Um, summer is definitely not the time because they can be subject to burn. I think, would I be right in thinking with a crystal ball that we're not going to get any of those really hot days anymore. <laughs> we're we're wow. in April now. So, yeah, but we can still yeah. get some heat in April. But I think mm. now would now's just a great time to be out there and giving things a tidy up. Yeah. We can prune we can summer prune our deciduous fruit trees and we can give them another prune in winter when they've lost all their leaves. Right. Uh, the difference, one of the trees that you don't prune in winter when it's wet is apricot because of the risk of fungal disease. So just be mindful of that. Yeah. But most other things, generally, once they've finished flowering, is a good time to give them their prune. Right. And that would also go with camellias as well? Now, camellias are winter flowering. So anything yeah. you do now could risk the flowers now yeah, sounds like yeah. you've got a lot to do Sharon so mm. I would concentrate my efforts on the other things and wait until the camellias have finished flowering before you give them a cut back yeah these are about three meters high and um, they're all coming into bud so I wasn't going to do it now but I you know once they finish I how much can I cut it back without damaging them because they're so big wow do they, well, how much would you want to cut them back? Right. How Like how much, do they have to come down to two metres? Oh, well, they're about three, four, three and a bit metres high mm. and they're on the side of the patio and they they grow out towards the lawn. But um, I was wondering if I should give them a bit of a haircut at the side so they were, and they'd take the top off because they keep hitting the top of the patio and okay. rattling. Right. So, yes, if, you, if you're going to reduce it to maintain a size, yep. do that. Well, you can do it now if you want to, but otherwise after flowering. And, after yes, flowering. you just you bring it down to whatever you need to bring it down to. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so very much for your help, and uh, I'll get out there and... Um, <laughs> now, I, I was just going to say the reason we prune, there's probably two main reasons. One is to get more flowers and fruit and the other yep. one is to maintain a shape and size. Mm. So when you keep that in mind, particularly with fruit trees, we, we'd like to bring them down so that it's manageable mm. to pick. It's no good, yeah. you know, unless you're an orchardist, you don't want to be climbing on a ladder to get your fruit. No. And if you've got that many, the amount of time that you've got available is going to keep you pretty busy harvesting yeah. all your fruit anyway. I've got about five lemon trees, and I don't know why, and about four orange trees, but they're quite close together. So if I don't watch it, they end up getting tangled with each other. Mm, yeah. They've been here for a long time, I think. You almost mm. need to go into partnership with someone who makes their own produce and... You know, you could you could share your produce, and you might be able to get yeah. help with managing them as well. That'd be a, that'd be a good idea. Mm, try oh, your community uh, gardens. Yeah. Okay. And just see. And just one more thing: Does anybody around the place ever want horse manure? <laughs> oh yes. If you just put a sign out the front, yeah, your word will spread. Yeah. For sure. Okay. 
It's, I've only got two, but it, it does pile up after a while, and yeah. when you're a certain amount of place, you can put horse manure on for an half acre. So. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm yeah. sure that you'll be able to to find someone who's interested, maybe, yeah. yeah. Once again, the community garden, they'd probably welcome okay. that. Thank you so very much for your help, and I'll, uh, I do appreciate it. You're Thank welcome. you so much, and have a great day. You, you too. too. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And let's go to Mandra. We're talking about a veggie patch with Deborah. Hello. Oh, Hello. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Um, enjoy your show. Listen to it every Saturday. Oh, thanks, um, Deborah. Problem with my nectarine tree. Um, a branch fell off it the other day, and it's live. And then I discovered it was very soft inside, and I put inside where the branch broke off. And then I looked at the tree and then there's like um, sand. So I, I found termites in the tree, which yes. I was really shocked. I'm not sure what to do, whether to go and get some spray, termite spray, and spray the tree and around the bottom. But what I'm concerned about, if I spray the poison, will it then go into the tree? And if it has fruit, will it then be poisonous mm. to eat? <laughs> mm. uh, now, I would be investigating the tree and see how far that damage has gone if if it had been damaged at one point that creates an entry point for for termites that eat dead wood uh, to go in and and clean it up now if it is only a branch and you can cut back into good wood uh, problem solved if it's further down in the trunk you know there's a chance that the tree is on its way out That's, anyway, uh, so yeah, I think a bit right. more investigation. Anything? Yeah, it's a very old tree, apparently. Yeah. I bought this house about one and a half years ago, and I think it's been there like twenty years, and it produces so much fruit. Mm, what a shame! Mm. No, no. The the <laughs> other thing is to get uh, an arborist out to have a look at it. Yeah. To you know, someone who who's qualified in tree surgery. Oh yeah. And can actually. You know, if you can't determine whether it's worth saving, they may be able to. Right. Uh, but yes, any products for for the treatment of white ants, you would need to read the label and see if they are organic and safe for the fruit then to be eaten. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Depends okay. where the damage is. You may be able to cut it out, but if it's in the trunk and it's gone further. I'm not, not sure that you can save the tree. That's why you get no, someone. No, I'm pretty sure it's right through the tree, oh. and it's really sad. Yeah, but yep. anyway, the other problem I have, um, I can't get tomato dust for my vegetables, like tomatoes and that. And I've got the white moss. She's been laying grubs on and everything. My capsicums, my tomatoes, and spinach. They've just been eaten. I've been going through trying to find them and taking them off. But what I was wondering, is there something else? Oh, and there's a brown caterpillar, but yes. it's not oh, scary. Yes. I don't know what it is. Um, that's the same, and it's eating my tomatoes, um, putting holes in it. Is there something natural that I can use instead of tomato dust for it? Yes, there is. So the brown caterpillar, there's one called a cluster caterpillar, and it 
it lays its egg, the moth lays its eggs underneath the leaf. It looks like teddy bear fur and there's like hundreds. When they oh. all spread out, they can turn your leaves into lacework overnight. Oh, exactly. Because, That's what's happening. <laughs> because it is caterpillars, there is an organic certified product that you can use. I think they now call it caterpillar killer. It's oh, di- Dipel and you oh, spray okay. that on the leaves. The caterpillar eats them ingest the poison and dies over a period of a few days so that's oh, safe no. to put on your veg- vegetables oh, so right yeah oh, that's so what you I need some. <laughs> okay. okay thank you very much you're welcome bye deborah cheers bye. for that okay bye. we do have to take a short break when we return we're chatting with margaret Curtain Radio. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. We're heading straight out to Bassendine. Margaret, good morning. Good morning. Um, I was looking for advice on how to prepare soil for putting in some native um, plants after this really awful So, Margaret, I don't know whether it's us or you, but it's a really, really bad phone line. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Um, try again. Otherwise, we may get... Uh, Can we bring we, you back? I could certainly cover this perhaps Hang after up. we've had our talk with Lisa. Okay. After the next break. Okay, so we'll I, talk, I talk about, about it. I talk about preparing soil for, for native. Australian native plants. Is that okay, Margaret? Yes, that's that's fine. Okay. okay. All right. You keep listening, and and we will cover that after we've spoken to Lisa when we've got a, a mi- few minutes. Okay. Lovely. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank bye, you. Margaret. Cheers for that. Bye bye. And speaking of Lisa Passmore, here she is. Good morning, young lady. How are you feeling? Oh, good morning, Ray. Good ma- morning, Faye. I'm feeling good. Good. Oh, good. News. Good news. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're. Yep. We're very privileged to have you with us today to start the first of our four-part series on designing a garden. And so we put this together so that listeners have got an idea of where to go and what to do. If you're faced with a garden that you've just bought or you're starting from scratch, step us through how how daunting it could be, Lisa, and how to overcome that. Okay. Well, I reckon garden design is one of the, the most fun things you can do. Yes. And it's, it's a bit of art meets science. And I think also you get to be a bit of a, a sleuth, uh, an investigator as you're assessing these things. And we're going to be looking at the first step, which is assessing the site uh, and, and getting, getting that information documented is, is the first step this week. So um, one of the great things is you get to use all your senses so mm. looking looking at the the plot of land you've got working out what the orientation is is it where, where is north and that's a really important first step um, and you can use your your phone apps i used to use the old street directory the UPD oh. had a north point on every page um, so I would use that to orientate myself on the block. But now now we can use um, smartphones and, and various apps for that. So, um, And looking at where is the garden located? Are you near the beach? Um, are you near the, in the hills? Yeah. Um, a lot of listeners will probably be gardening on the Swan Coastal Plain, so somewhere mm. between the two. 
Um, so that first thing is to sort of stand out in sight and look at it, work out the North Point and, and look at what's happening beyond the garden as well. The yeah. borrowed uh, landscape. Yes, yes. Isn't that a great term? I so really looking love it. at hmm. what can you see that you want to integrate into your garden? Is there a nice view? Um, Does your neighbour have a beautiful tree that you'd like to visually connect your garden to? Or is it a a, a beach or a hill scene? Mm. Or is it something you want to be obscuring? So making notes about those things as well. Um, What's in the borrowed landscape is a good good step. Good start, isn't it? Um, Yeah. And like Margaret was touching on before, um, the soil. We need to look at the soil. Um, so before we start preparing and, and improving and adding amendments, we need to look at what we've got um, to start with. And there's some great information out there. I was showing my students just this week on, on Soils uh, 101 with Tino. Um, and Josh has done a great segment on gardening on sandy soil, both of those on Gardening Australia, and they're available um, on YouTube as well. Yeah. Um, and I've also done a little YouTube on turning sand into soil uh, also, so some tips there. But um, grabbing a, a handful of the soil that you're dealing with, you know, so digging down a little bit, going five to ten centimetres down and um, first of all grabbing a handful of it how does it feel when you you hold it really tight does Mm. it turn into a ball or when you open your hand does it all just fall Fall through through. (laughs) yes Uh, which has got that Um, so working those things out too and then um, doing some of those soil tests so um, simple things that anyone can do at home the 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 jar test um, putting some of that soil into uh, a, a clean jar with a well-fitted lid and then topping up the jar with water and giving it a really, really good shake Mm. um, after a few minutes and then letting it to sit and settle and it will settle out into the different soil texture layers um, and at the bottom being the heaviest. So you can work out what ratio of sand to silt to clay you might have. Um, and that's really important too because yeah. it's important when you're choosing your plants that you're also choosing plants that can cope um, with your current situation, um, although we do always recommend soil amendments. Amending, well. yes, of but course. That, that will give yeah. people an idea Indication. of whether they're dealing yeah. with just sand yeah. or exactly. if there's something yeah. more in there that's going to help hold yeah. moisture Work and nutrients. With, yeah. Mm. And in doing so as well, when you're grabbing that sand and you start to add water, you're going to get a bit of a sense of how easy is it actually to wet. And when I do a little pH test um, with the pH test kit, um, that's the first thing I'm looking for is my liquid just beading off and running off the soil sample, Mm. um, in which case I know already I'm also dealing with a hydrophobic soil. So Mm. very important things. Um, and then I mentioned about your senses. I think that's really, really important to um, to use all your senses. What what can you hear when you're out in your garden? Um, is there traffic noise? Is there you know industry noise in the background? Or can you hear birds? Can you hear frogs? What can you what can you hear in your garden? Because that might you know inspire you to. Uh, plant more things for attracting birds or frogs or look at sound barriers for industry noise or um, unwanted noises that you can hear. Um, 
and, and to some degree, you know, what can you smell? Um, and this is, you know, gardeners do this even with the earth. They're picking up the, the earth or they're picking up the, the mulch, the compost. They're, um, they can tell things from the smell, you know, yeah, smell okay. and organic. Mm, yes, mm. they're not putrid. Um, mm. uh, is there fragrances nearby? You might, you might, your neighbour might have a lovely flowering hedge and yeah. that might inspire you as well to, to go on the aromatic journey. So there's all sorts of things. And how does the ground feel? under your feet um, so being you know taking off your off your shoes and walking around you can sense a lot from your feet um, really fertile soil um, which is generally really dark in color is also really soft underfoot um, and you would know that in your garden say as well when you've improved an area and it's really fluffy um, rich and yes it's quite fluffy isn't it you can feel that yeah under your boots or under your feet um, and also working out whether there's a slope um, you can sense that when you're walking around as well is the, is the land gently sloping are there low points um, and, and noticing any breezes and existing shade and I think it's important if you have got trees and building shade to investigate the garden at different times of the day yeah, and even that's a big one times of the mm, year mm. yeah Yep. And again, there's some apps that can help us with this, um, apps that can track shadow lines and give you um, diagrams of your property and how much shade different areas are going to receive oh, that's at any good. time of the year. So there's some really useful apps there. Find My Shadow um, is one, but there's a whole bunch of apps that will help with that. Mm, dear, I, that's um, one I hadn't heard of before, Lisa, I must say. Okay, okay, yeah, there's a few things. Um, and then I think we re the next step, if we're doing this seriously, is to document the site. And we do this by developing a, a site plan. And there are a few great tips for listeners. Um, one of the resources they can use is the aerial maps of their property, uh, which you can access through Intramaps which is access through your local council. So knowing um, who your local council is, is your first point. You go to that website and look up um, online mapping or intramaps um, through that. And there's also measuring tools there. So you can look at your site and then you can save a PDF of the site to a certain scale, um, which becomes a really useful tool uh, for your base plan. Um, I do a bit of this, but I also recommend actually grabbing the tape measures and graph paper and documenting um, those measurements as well out in the garden. Um, so um, for that, you'll need a, some sort of board to lean on or a clipboard, pencils, ruler and a sheet of graph paper mm. um, to really thoroughly document that. So um, as mentioned, I do a bit of both. When I'm heading out to see a client, I'll look firstly on the aerial and get a sense of the scale and what's involved and even do a very basic um, outline and then I can add further details when I'm on site. Yeah. Um, in terms of scale, um, a good scale to work with, I think, for... Anyone starting out, and, and I use this for most of my gardens, is a scale of 1 to 100. Um, so a centimetre on your page equals 100 centimetres or a metre in the garden. Um, so that helps us. Yeah, that's an easy one to follow. Mm. And yeah. a metre is relatively, well, roughly 
one step, one That's large right. one good, step. Good pace. Mm. So if you're stepping out a garden, like Mm. stretching, Mm. well, stretching your legs, in my case, a little bit, a bit more than if you were just walking. And that's a rough metre. That's right. So in in terms of, um, you know, initially you might pace it to work out um, how big the space is and then working out how it's going to fit on your page. Um, you might need to, you know, orientate the page to suit. Mm. But I do recommend getting the tape measures out to um, to accurately document that. Um, and that's going to be fine for most gardens. Um, for really small properties, you might choose a different scale. Um, one centimetre might equal half a metre. Mm. Um, and that will look bigger on the page. And that's really good if you're looking at a courtyard area. Um, but for most gardeners, I think the 1 to 100 is perfect. And rather than trying to tackle the whole property, um, some some designers will try and, or some gardeners will try and tackle the whole property. And that becomes, I think, a bit daunting. Mm. And um, of course, autumn's a great time, but there's a lot of people wandering around their gardens now, not not happy with with one part of it so they might get out there this week do a bit of homework and choose one one section Section that you want to to do a bit of a red eye on Mm. yeah great idea and i reckon those areas where you're either entertaining or your kind of front entry statement yeah uh, an area that you look at a lot or you spend a lot of time in would be a great place to start Start. yeah agree Mm. absolutely very exciting lisa so i reckon for for people embarking on this right once they've done that what what's the next thing that we will talk about next week so what can they start Uh, thinking about okay so once they've got their their base plan and they've i reckon actually Adding in the house is important for that too, adding in a fixed structure as a reference point. But once they've got that information documented, doors and windows um, and notes of things that they've observed like vistas and views while doing that, then I reckon next week, um, in the meantime, be collecting images Mm. of gardens that you like um, because next week we're going to talk about finding inspiration. Oh, so that's the fun bit, I think. Place, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. But, you know, I, I look around my garden at the moment and, and what I've done and I'll stand somewhere and I'll look through and I'll think, oh, okay, I can actually see the end of that pathway and it needs a point um, to lock your eyes your in, eye. you know, um, mm, a statue or a feature. There's another area that's got a wood pile, but I can see the neighbour's roof and I'm thinking, hmm. Need to block mm. that out, you know. Just yeah, yeah. that end vis. Well, it's that borrowed landscape, but I want all yeah. my my vistas to be picture perfect. Oh, gorgeous! And you <laughs> notice with a straight path like that too, your eye does tend to run straight to the end, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, like it does. A runway, mm-hmm. so. No, my paths are not straight, Lisa. <laughs> not I. Yeah, I'm a a meandering path person. Brilliant. That mm. creates lots of interest. Yeah, mm. fantastic. Awesome. Well, this is very mm. exciting. I hope our listeners are, are getting ex- inspired too. They mm. might want to up, up the ante on some of their little garden pockets. 
Oh, there's always something to do, isn't there, in the garden? Always. And Elisa, if uh, listeners ever want to get in contact with you, are you still doing uh, workshops and things like that? Uh, yes, I, I do. I'm running um, the garden design workshop at Home Base. And okay. There's another one coming up um, soon. Um, so listeners can, can look at that one on the Home Base Home website. Base, okay. Yep, good, good. Yep. Um, yes, and various bits and pieces. Quite a few things obviously have been postponed at the moment, but ah, yes. um, I, I yeah. do often do talks. So. Yeah, that's good. Um, and your website is inspired by nature. It is, yes. Okay, I'm, so people I'm can go there too. doing a little bit of garden design work now in the term break because I'm a full-time lecturer now at TAFE. Good grief. Um, so yeah. Loving yeah. meeting the next generation of horticulturalists and gardeners and landscapers. Gee, that must be very satisfying for you. It is actually. It yeah, is. So and really inspiring. Yeah. Such yeah. Great, great people. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, young lady, we'll let you carry on with your weekend and we look forward to right. instalment two next Saturday mm. morning. <laughs> Thank you very much, lovely. Lisa. That was lovely. Thanks, Faye. Thanks, Ray. You Have a take good morning. care. Keep okay. well. Right. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that was Lisa Passmore from Inspired by Nature. She has one of those sweet voices, mm. doesn't she? Yeah, just She's lovely. a lovely person. She really is and very knowledgeable. And the daughter of Neville Passmore. Yes. You know, yes. the very famous Neville Passmore. So it's in the blood. But uh, she raises some very good points there. Borrowed landscape is fascinating. What What is borrowed at your, at your on your property? Uh, the gum trees on yeah. the neighbour's mm. property. Uh the yes, and we're in a bit of a dip, so some of the the trees go further up. And of course, we've got a couple of acres of bushland yeah. as well. Yeah, so which in, is beautiful in the background. So from my bedroom window, mm. I look out across uh, a garden that's got a water feature. Currently, mm. it's got the beautiful burgundy leaf plum trees, full of foliage, and the geisha girls, which are going nuts. They going need off. a good prune. Yeah. But beyond that. I then have an opportunity to garden area and then the bush. So banksias and mm. the biggest nutsia floribunda, the flowering Christmas, Christmas tree, tree, is in the middle of the property and oh. it's the tallest tree. Mm. So I'm I'm very mindful about the garden that I want to develop in between the bedroom and the bush. I want it to be sympathetic to the bush. I don't, mm. don't want to have necessarily a tropical looking Start garden contrast no, no i i like my gardens to blend so yeah they're all linked with meandering pathways yeah. i've used branches thick banksia branches and and gum branches as borders to define pathways which i then can move around when i change the idea and i've just changed one area of garden where i've underplanted bottle brush uh, there's three very large bottle brush. There's a pond and a deck, and I've underplanted with some cordelines and gingers. Mm. Uh, there's frangipani, and all these plants been sitting in my shade house, Ray, yeah. just getting bigger. Yeah. And I wanted and to get them in the garden. Yeah. So I've got one garden bed, and I've got philodendrons climbing up, and mm. ripsalis hanging out of the bottle brush. Mm. And then over next to the pond, I'll put in some acacia limelight. And, and maybe some canners with the variegated leaves mm. and just, you know, something that kind of says pond. Uh, mm. I've got a couple of large tree ferns to go in, mm. but I'm also very mindful of the water. Mm. So what water they're going to get going mm. forward. And the canopy helps. I mean, 
Absolutely. In, in amongst all that, there's a big uh, flowering gum tree. Yeah. So that gives me shade, yeah. but it also takes away the water at ground level. Uh huh. It's okay. just there's so, yeah, many, so, so many factors to consider, isn't it? Yes. Where yeah. the sprinklers are. Do I want to add more sprinklers? Yeah. Will it get enough water? And then changing the sprinklers to adjust the spray, how yeah. far it goes, mm-hmm. how much water mm-hmm. it delivers. Ah, there is so much to consider. To factor in. Mm. Yeah, so it's not just a plan on a paper. It's no. like mm. and the then practicality I go to, then of I it. Then I go to dig a hole and it might be all tree roots and mm-hmm. dry sand. So I go, yeah. well, you're not going to be happy there. Mm. Uh, so I'll find somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. It's that feel when yeah. I come to actually doing it. Yeah. Okay, we'll be back shortly. Radio. Thank you for your company this morning. You are with Ryan Faye listening to Let's Talk Gardening. We have emails to get through. We have calls to do. But I, I am going to give something away because Ooh, I have yes. lots of prizes to give away this morning. I'm going to give away right now from the Turf Growers Association of WA and compliments of the lovely Eva Ritchie for organising two top shelf products to aid you in water repellency and also to aid in retention of moisture uh, in your ground. It can be in your garden and your lawn. The products are called by Agra and Aquaforce and you can win the combination. It's valued at $75. For now, this is the last of this product giveaway. So this is your last opportunity. And the collection point is in Jandabup, which is Wanneroo direction. So you must be able to collect from that area uh, before you get too carried away and also to be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Okay, now, if you'd like the best looking lawn and garden in your neighbourhood, here's your question. What is considered to be the standard watering requirement in millimetres for lawn for your lawn on a watering day. What is considered to be the standard watering requirement in millimetres for lawn on your watering day? If you know the answer, give Bev a call 94841927. And the collection point is at the Lawn Doctor, Russo Road in Jandabup. Okay, so 94841927. Must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last... 28 days. Go to it. Meanwhile, we're in Warwick. Hi, Hazel. Hi. Um, I had an idea. You've had a lot of people ringing in about rats. Yeah. And I had a trouble, trouble with rats for a few years and robbing my grapefruit. And I used to use um, something that um, a white ant um, guy told us about. It was a... a it was like a candlestick block with a little hole in the middle you could tie to your tree. But I stopped using them because next door but one to me is a very large tree on the verge. And an owl lives in it, if you would believe. Aww. And the owl has been there for years. And I decided if one of the rats I killed, the, rat, the owl picked That's up, right. That's correct. I would lose it. Uh-huh. So I haven't used them, but I've even seen... A cheeky little one run out in the middle of the afternoon. So I thought, what can we do? And I thought, well, wouldn't it be good if we had a rat week where all the councils or somebody who is knowledgeable about rats' habits got together and everybody in the area, in all the areas, got together and we tried to get rid of as many rats as possible. I think perhaps the first year you need to do it twice. But after that, we could just do it annually 
to cut down the num- numbers of rats which bother every suburb. Yeah. I reckon that's an awesome idea. Rat week. And, <laughs> and I think, but I think they could do it with rabbits as well mm. and snails. Because oh, please, you know yeah. everybody's targeting yeah. snails at different times. If everyone works together at the same time, that <laughs> would be like herding out. cats, though, Hazel. <laughs> While I was putting out these 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 blocks for the rats, and I think they used to bring the whole family in to get them. Yeah. I mean, they, they used to eat the whole grapefruits, mm-hmm. and there obviously was more than one. And I thought, well, you know, I'm doing this, and it's costing me. They're about ten dollars for a pack. These things, uh, it's costing me money, but it wasn't really doing a great deal of good apart from saving my grapefruit. But if everybody got together. Just think how we could cut the breeding down. Mm. Good thinking, Hazel. I do like your thinking. Thank you very much for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. I was reading somewhere during the week that rats and mice, they don't like the smell of peppermint, peppermint oil Mm. as a deterrent. There are certainly Mm. natural things that we can grow in our gardens. But that's a good call. That's a good call because... You can be doing what your your bit, but mm. your neighbour's two doors along, and so on. It's it needs to be a group effort to eradicate, right? And it is a major problem. Now we do have a winner for our products of Biagra and Aquaforce, Stuart from Tapping. So congratulations. The question was, what is considered to be the standard watering requirement in millimetres for lawn on your watering day? 10 mils is the industry standard. So thanks for playing with us, Stuart, and we hope you enjoy those products and do report back on how they work for you. And I was talking on email to Eva Ritchie uh, yesterday uh, because she's had uh, given away a lot of product for us on the program and she's thinking early in spring about giving away lawn. How would that be? I know. So we have to wrap our heads around that. Well, and that might work very well for someone who's planning yeah, their garden yeah. with Lisa's design. So she's very too. happy to continue on with lots of different things uh, uh, for our listeners. So that will be wonderful. And we shall certainly follow that up. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Back shortly. No, we're not because I haven't put a a break in. Here we go. You are with Ray and Faye and this is Let's Talk Gardening. Straight out to the lines, we are in Karen up. Marjorie, good morning. Hi, Marge. Good morning. Good morning. Um, just a quick uh, question, wondering if you may be able to help. I, um, I'm wondering if you or any of your listeners know where I could buy Satsuma plums. Okay. Well, we can get John to look that up, but certainly... Satsuma plums, being a deciduous fruit tree, would probably be available in winter when they get the bare-rooted trees in and or... I don't don't want to buy a tree. I want to buy the the fruit. Oh. None none of the greengrocers, their discontinued line, I'd say. Oh, I wonder if maybe in the hills when they're available, which would be spring... Spring to summer, I would think. Uh, they're fairly late, so they're usually ready March. It might be a bit late now, but hmm. I've searched all greengrocer stores. And, all right. Well, so, Marjorie, we put that out to the listeners and uh, maybe someone can give us a call in if they know where you can source Satsuma plums from. Yeah, thanks very much. Too Thank easy. You. Do our best. Okay, take care. Thank you. 
Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Cheers for that. Okay, that was an interesting one. Mm-hmm. It was. Now, June from Dianella has written in and would like this read by nine o'clock. Now, she's wondering, Pitosporum, do they have a shelf life? We have three, six to seven foot high. One in particular has a lot of dying branches and she has started to take them down by half to see if that will regenerate them. Uh, She's put it down to where the sun may have got them. This year it isn't the hibiscus beetle. Just wondering if it's okay to hard prune them. They've been in the ground 17 years. Well, um, Ray has said 40 years is their life, so they're they're long lived. John has said they'll live 50 to 150 years if well cared for. (laughs) So longer than us. If you give it some really good care, June, you could have it for a long time. Now, hard pruning, uh, depending on which pitosporum is, I would recommend that you selectively prune it rather than hard prune. And rather than just give it a hard prune, if you take out some of the older branches, if you then see it recover, you can go harder. I would not like to say to you, oh, yes, it's hard prune. Like if it's a plant that is suffering, it may not respond very well at all. Mm. It may just put another mm. nail in the coffin, so to speak. Mm. So mm. just, yeah, remove any dead, dying, diseased branches. Uh, check the root zone. So you're looking for hydrophobic soil. It, it could be potentially a water issue. So make sure the water is getting around the roots and there's no damage. Uh, on the subject, I have found rats will dig down and, in fact, one nested in a fern basket and took out all but two centimetres of roots across the ground. So, you know, just do a bit of investigation, make sure there's nothing going on down there that shouldn't be and that the roots are intact. Give it some seaweed or or fish concentrate drink and that will all help. A wetting agent will help. Make sure the water's getting there and just keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't go in hard on a on a pitosporum. Mm. How do you say it? Pit, pitosporum, pitosporum. Either or, tomato, <laughs> you can say tomato, it however, ever, you like. however I like. Thank you. Okay. Great. Now, cool. we have also had an email from Jennifer, and she has sent in a photo of her lawn, and it does appear well, very patchy. It looks like someone's thrown out a bucket of some sort of product onto the lawn and it's taken the colour out of it like a swish. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also a close-up of what looks like webbing. Now, I've sent these photos along to Clayton with some closer-up ones. Mm -hmm. He suspects that it could be a leaf blight and recommends a fungicide called Clortan 720. So that, that will be worth a try. And if it is fungal, then that will repair, show signs of coming back fairly yeah, soon, I yeah, would think. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Okay, it's so bit, thank you to Clayton. Lawn, lawns are a bit tricky. Um, can be. You know, there's insects, uh, insects that can potentially be a problem, uh, non-wetting and dry spots, so mm-hmm. always check your sprinklers. Put out 
you catch cups and monitor that the water is getting where it's supposed to. It might Everywhere. Need, might mm. mean that your sprinklers need to be cleaned out mm. or something like shrubs might have grown and be blocking the water. And, of course, this time of year, it's a fantastic time to to trim up your hedges and mm. do a bit of pruning. So yeah. Yeah. great weather for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish it would rain wherever that rain is. Mm. It's just been the humidity this last week. Oh, I know, but oh, I tell you what, are the gardens, are they looking better? I've got gingers flowering. Yeah. I've heard reports of gardenias flowering. Mm. The, the tropical style gardens. Oh, well, they're in heaven, aren't they? They this absolutely the are. Perfect the perfect recipe for them. Are, are mm. putting out flower spikes. Oh, yeah. it's so, certain so plants, much turning. Certain plants are loving it, but mm. I do wish we could just get a great downpour in the Perth metro area, yeah. as 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 is promised by mm. our um, weather reports on the TVs. They're, they're saying, you know, the rain is returning and it never arrives. <laughs> you know, I, I just like, I listen to the weather reports on TV and go, huh, what am I missing I here? Know. I know. <sighs> But, yeah, people get out there, start putting, yep. your, you know, sprinkle a bit of wetting agent around. Yep. Look out for weeds, weeds popping up in pathways and yes. gardens. Yes. Any work you do now will save you time down the track. So if you just yeah. Good. turn gently turn the soil, disturb the soil, give it a, a light rake mm-hmm. and then get your wetting agent on. If yeah. you're t- topping up pelletised manures, are easy mm. to throw around now. Mm. Um little bit of granular fertiliser to kick things along, layer of mulch. You do that to your garden and trim back any of the the dead leaves. And not the whole leaf. You know, sometimes I'll just nip off a corner to a point, mm. get rid of the brown bits, and suddenly the garden Looks it so just much starts more singing. Civilised, doesn't it? Mm. Just simply by a little bit of the sun damage, which has been a lot this this time round, unfortunately. Yes, a lot of. So we're we're in recovery, and we will get there. This is just all the challenges of, uh, and the joys of of being gardeners. And hey, you know what? We get disappointed, but we love it, right? We love the challenge. Oh, it is a challenge, isn't it? All right. So we'll be going to the news uh, in about three seconds. Nine o'clock news coming up for you right now. Partly cloudy today, our maximum is 30, right now 24.9 degrees. And the minimum overnight leading into Sunday will be 21. Tomorrow there are showers and a possible storm with a maximum of 28. And on Monday it will be partly cloudy with a maximum of 27. So the the humidity and the warmth continues for, for now. Mm. I'm still sleeping with my air conditioning on. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to, and oh. I did sleep very well. Oh, did you? No, no, I've had the aircon on, fans on. Mm. Goodness. But when I got here today, Ray, it's been so long since I've been here, I forgot and I missed the turn. I was actually thinking about where to get inspiration for gardeners. And, and I, you just drove past the turn? I did. <laughs> my, my head was like oh, yeah. to all the images on Pinterest yeah. that I was scrolling and you're through. And in automation. Yeah. I know, we all do that. And I went, oops, oh, where am I yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> have to do a UE somewhere. And uh, look, Marjorie, you spoke to us a little while ago about Satsuma Plums. If you can give us a call back, give uh, Bev a call. Uh, she wants to speak to you. So you rang in about Satsuma Plums as to where to find them. Give us a call back and uh, Bev's got some information for you. And, Ray, if we have a moment now, we can talk about preparing soil yes, for yes. Australian native plants, which I think it was Margaret yeah. asked about earlier. Um, 
but she didn't have a good line. So no, we we said we'd come back to it. So the first thing that that I want to say about Australian native plants takes me to some of the the hardware stores where they actually have incorrectly placed either New Zealand or South African plants on the Australian plant stand. Mm. And this does happen quite regularly. Mm. So, uh, And the reason they do that is because they these plants will tolerate the same sort of conditions. Australian native plants, of course, encompasses a broad spectrum from Western Australia, north and south, and we know how different that is, but also to the east coast where the the soils possibly more fertile mm. and they get more rainfall. Mm. So just be mindful of what part of Australia a native plant comes from. If it's Queensland rainforest, it can be very lush looking. It can belong under a canopy. If we're talking more about West Australian native yeah. plants, mm. we're talking about plants that will cope with cold, wet winters and hot, dry summers. Yeah, it's very important to understand where the plants have mm. come from. That is key. So, and even eucalypts, mm. some of them may may grow in creek beds, which is very wet, muddy, silty type soils, mm. or on the, the coast where it's limestone, sandy, etc. So if you're planting endemic native plants so these are plants that grow in our local area belong to you us. can get your list of plants from native nurseries and mm. or perhaps the council mm. and these are plants that will if planted in autumn survive generally on natural rainfall mm. and or a little bit of supplementary watering in the first couple of summers so you know, just understanding what plants we're planting is very helpful. Now, if we're we're planting into virgin soil, uh, you can, for best results in a home garden, I found the addition of a little bit of clay and compost helps. Mm. It means that you don't have to give your plants as much water. It means that the, the water that you do give them in summer kind of hangs in there a bit longer. And I've done this on my verge with better yeah, results yeah. than planting it out into nothing. I mean, mm. summer we just had the hottest, driest rainfall, the hottest, oh. driest weather. Now, plants, we have some pioneer plants, things like acacias. They will often colonise an area and set up bushland for the next generation of plants. So mm. they put nitrogen into the soil. Some of the small... Um, Plants that are very good are Acacia pulchella, which is prickly moses. Birds love it. I've also read recently that it can counter dieback. And so, you know, that's that's something worth considering too. They're a small plant. So these plants will grow in soil that has not been prepared. Mm. But for best results, you can add something else. Now, th they also talk about fertilising native plants, which... You know, I ask myself, well, do you really need to? Some people will tell you that you need to fertilise your, your native plants. Well, you know, if you have, you've got to work out what's right for you. Um, the plants on my verge currently are not looking very happy. Some of them are, are like the ones in the bush where they actually look like they've died back. 
But you know what? They spring back they with the autumn back. rains. That's native, isn't if, it? Mm. And they can do that. Mm. So understanding mm. the plants, it is is such a how long is a piece of string? Mm. Um, so you don't have to improve your soil, mm. but if you do, you may get some better results. You have to work out how much you're going to water, uh, what type of watering you're going to give them, are you going to reticulate it. So I think uh, in in this case, I would have a whole lot more questions for someone establishing native plants. Uh, many of the, the hybrids will probably do better if soil is prepared with a generic mix, perhaps a landscaper's mix, understanding that some of our native plants are phosphorus sensitive. So, you know, maybe get the advice of uh, the nursery that you're buying from and and start that way. Hmm. There's more questions than answers, I'm I'm afraid. Hmm. And and, uh, when we had Claire Palmer on last week, she was saying that a lot of people, when they start a native garden or they plant native plants, think that the plants can survive without water that's Mm. not true particularly in that first few years they must be watered Mm. and Mm. you know things like the kangaroo paws that have recently Mm. been out uh, Mm. the new new varieties some of the older ones are surviving on my verge with no additional summer Mm. water they don't look very good at the moment Mm. now's the time to cut them to ground level Mm. maybe i will probably give them some palletized chicken manure something with a bit of blood and bone in it when the rains come Mm. and that will encourage new growth i want my Mm. plants to look healthy Mm. Uh, it's the entrance to the home but they are surviving on nothing very so Mm. yeah Mm. it's it's tricky one i'd I'd go back to uh what lisa started out with today assessing the site looking at your soil and, and and going from there yeah. Okay. Good information. We're heading to uh, Les Murdy. Alan, good morning. Hi, Alan. Hi, look, good morning. And, and I know you've finished this conversation, so I'll try and be 28 seconds or less <laughs> regarding rats. Yeah. What I heard, and stop me if this came up, a good control is one of those plumber's pipes, the, the ones that a rat can get into. Yeah. Uh, drill a hole in the middle and put food into the middle of the pipe, but it must have an exit and an entrance because a rat will not go into something. No. And, uh, and you put poison in the middle. It must have an entrance and an exit, and that's all I wanted to say. Okay. Yes, I, I know this has come up before, um, probably two uh, weeks ago, yep. and it, it doesn't stop the problem of poisons poisoned rats dying and being available to our native as a secondary and so for that reason a live trap would be a preference okay i'll let you go back to something more important thank you very much alan Alan. we appreciate your input thank you bye and i think that's pretty sure that's something that daryl hardy that's the way he structures some of his Mm. traps along uh, his property, he's talked mm. about that and having them up high. And I, I like the idea myself um, of on top of the fences, you can get something they add on to your fence where it makes it impossible for anything to run along Barbed the top wire. of the fence. Well, a little <laughs> no. bit like that, but it rotates. Mm. And, oh. yeah, and they can't actually, it stops cats, it stops, uh, yeah, everything. Mm. So, yeah, sitting along the top line of your fence. I think hygiene is one of the most important things that we can do in the first place. I mean, if you've got fruit trees, if 
if you've got an edible, productive garden, in they come. You, w- you will always have an, That's right. an endless supply of food for them. Yeah. Uh, but if you've got birds and poultry, making sure the area is clean, making sure that your, your coccus palms are cleaned up on an annual basis, you know, all these things help. Let's just, yeah, do mm. what we can without using poisons. Yeah, quite right. Okay, right. carry on. So um, apparently there was question about a butterfly or caterpillar last week. Came mm-hmm. in from Karen and she has sent in a photo of a lovely tomato hornworm. And these are quite ah, attractive yes. caterpillars, I think. They're very large. And when they're young, they are green. But as they're heading to maturity, before they pupate they turn a brown color so their pattern and they have a horn uh, i'm not sure which end it is whether it's front or back sometimes it's difficult to tell which end of a caterpillar is which is the business end uh but they they'll put that up as a form of defense so yeah. tomato hornworm karen you probably haven't got a lot so i would say live and let live okay not to worry too much no not at all all right let's talk about flowers and plants ray all right, go ahead. All right, so I've brought in a little selection today. Yeah, it's very colourful. Something different. I've got rhubarb here on my right, mm-hmm. and I've, oh, leaves are a little bit holy, bit mm-hmm. decorated. That's the uh, the grasshoppers that have had a bit of a feast. But you know what? I don't use the rhubarb leaves, so mm. they're welcome mm. to them. Mm. But some lovely stems that are colouring up nice and red now because. The weather's changed a little, little bit. Yeah. Uh, now's a good time to dig them up, divide them and replant into some rich soil. They do, they will grow in a pot, but they will do better in the ground. Mm-hmm. They sort of like to to have access to Spread as out. much as they can. And the leaves can get very big too. So. Yeah. And there's a beautiful bunch of flowers. Oh, well, I have some roses and I have hydrangeas, which mm. the, the flowers are... They've turned to a pale green now, but they look lovely in a vase. Uh, I did a bit of a trimming up the other day. Some of the leaves are a bit burnt, so I just removed the really daggy ones and uh, added wetting agent to the bed and then topped it with some lupin mulch, so Mm. that looks a bit specky. The roses, they're hanging in there. They're not perfect. They wouldn't win any shows, (laughs) but there's a praying mantis that's living happily in that garden and the Mm. birds have been coming in, so... On some of the leaves, Mm. some of the buds are a little bit um, not so perfect. Uh, And some of the leaves have got staining, which I suspect is the the wee of thrips that have been moving around. But but overall, you know, from a distance, the roses look okay. okay. Beautiful flowers on the seduction. The leaves are big and healthy. I'm not getting the distorted growth like the witch's broom that people are getting on some of their Rampant roses. through my area. Mm. Yeah, every garden, if I go out walking the dog, I look at people's roses and they're oh, very, very bad. And the other problem out there at the moment is the citrus gall wasp, okay? he's uh, mm. It's time to start looking uh, for him because he's uh, been doing a lot of damage out there. For yeah. sure. And citrus leaf miners around, so I looked yeah. at my trees this morning and and I trimmed off just some of the affected leaves mm. they mm. yeah mm. it doesn't worry me terribly much the the 
citrus trees are established it's just mm. more aesthetics mm. but okay. if we can nip that in the bud as the as i drop the the leaves they die down there's less chance that the caterpillars will turn into moths yeah okay let's go to waterman's janice good morning good morning how are you both very good, good thank you and you're both waiting for the rain like myself? Oh, uh-huh. desperately, Janice. Well, uh-huh. we're giving up waiting. I think mm. the Water Authority are in cahoots with the, with the Bureau. Because <laughs> oh, we everyone turns their sprinkles that. off. <laughs> well, gardeners do. This is the thing. We're mm. conscious. Yeah. Absolutely. I just wish it would pour. So um, I. I was just going to comment on your, um, your rat um, formula for get, dispelling or getting rid of rats, which you said was peppermint oil. I'll have to tell you a story about my peppermint tree. I've, got a pep, I've been here now almost 50 years in, on a quarter of acre in Waterman's Bay, and we have a peppermint tree that was established and quite large when we first moved in. It now extends from one fence line to the other oh. across the block. It's huge. Massive and it's, thing. Um, mm. It's beautiful. And um, looking at my north-facing windows on a, on a double story and I was looking out because I heard birds um, chattering and and making a real noise and I looked out and lo and behold there's a huge rat sitting uh, in the peppermint tree running along the branch happy as Larry trying to get rid of it so I don't know about peppermint oil and and rats yeah (laughs) well and you know was that in the middle of the day it was in the middle of the day well I can tell you a story about my apricot tree and a rat. I was out in my garden in the middle of the day. I think I was wandering around with my camera and I saw a rat in the apricot tree and I thought, oh, that's a bit odd, isn't it? It was Mm. right up the top. Anyway, what had happened, What a there was a plant down the bottom and I think it was a pomelia and it looked like it had broken off and I thought, oh, the kids must have been kicked a ball in there or yeah. something. And it was all disturbed down the bottom. So I grabbed the stem thinking that it was broken off and grabbed it and, no, it was okay. So I took a step back and a snake appeared. What? Right oh there. And I'm like, oh, He quick. chased the rat up the tree. Yes, oh in the middle of the day. God. So oh. there's not always... Just one part to the story. (laughs) Yeah, because often you will not see rats in the middle of the day. No, no, that's true. Mm. Uh, But they have certainly eaten most of my um, produce that I've produced here and I can't get rid of them. But what I was going to ask was, going back to apricot trees, um, I have an apricot tree, one of which passed away last year. I lost it, unfortunately. Um, uh, It died of a rot, I think. Uh, The other one... It's very green, very lush. Very, uh, the rosellas love to peck off the top branches. Uh, it's a bit tall now. And I'm, last year, my husband got in and pruned it at this time of the year last year. And we had no fruit, no flowers, no fruit on it at all last year. I'm just wondering, um, you know, how hard can I prune it? Because I'm going to have to be a giant to get to the yeah. the, um, the fruit on top. So you can, you can do some selective pruning. If you prune in winter, you will get far more growth. Not a good idea oh, to okay. prune. Prune Yeah, because you can see the structure of the tree. Um, You get a lot more growth. But when you do a summer prune, you don't get rampant growth. But if you wait until the tree is flowering, which is in spring, 
then you can see where the fruit is going to develop. Okay. So you don't get the rot. I was told don't prune in winter or, in, um, you know, when it's moist because you get uh, rot in the in you the can, apricot You can tree. do. That's right. That's why I would recommend pruning an apricot tree during a summer prune or, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> picking the weather and not doing it when it's when there's moisture around. Okay. Because they'll right. heal better in summer. Yes. Okay, so it's too late to prune it. I'm going to have to be a giant this year to get the well, fruit. Well, you, you just have to decide what's more yes. important, getting the okay. fruit. But maybe you could... Do they fruit like, on the old wood or the new wood? Which one do they fruit on? I, I can't remember now. Is it an apricot and old wood fruiting or new wood fruiting? I can't remember. Uh, I don't think my head's in the right space to answer okay. this at the moment. No, um, that's okay. Yeah, I, best yeah. I don't say anything at the minute. I no, have to think about right. it. Okay. Yes, no, I'll, I'll leave it then and we'll um, hopefully it will have some flowers and fruit this year. Okay, thanks for all your help. Okay. Thanks, Janice. Bye. Thank you. Okay, we will return in a moment. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening, 24 minutes after 9. Coming up at 10am will be Jim Crinan, our cycling DJ with the classic 60s for you. Let me see, straight back out to the lines. We are now in Armadale. Anna, good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Good, thanks, Anna. Um, I've had two knee replacements, cannot weed anymore, a small area in my backyard. My friend's husband says, I'll fix that for you. So he put a, put a layer of carpet down. Oh. And that, I, I know it looks dreadful, but I can't complain because I simply cannot get down to weed anymore. Oh. Um, but I have a small comcourt tree, which is about eight years old now. It's given me a couple of beautiful fruiting seasons, but now the the mulch, uh, sorry, the carpet is now about 14 inches by 9 inches around from its trunk. The tree looks miserable, and Mm. it's dropped all its last two lots of flowers. I'm wondering if I should get another friend's husband (laughs) to cut to cut a larger hole around the tree. I think it's to let it breathe or something. I don't think right, it's Anna, the tree. Get your Sorry? your new friend's husband to get rid of the carpet, okay? Um, uh-huh. Carpet, I've, I've done it um, and I did a really big piece up in my vegetable, car, vegetable garden. It was a short-term fix. You know, in time leaves drop, dust blows in, you end up with a layer on top of the carpet that weeds yes. will still grow. So uh-huh. it's it's very temporary, but you, you come quad tree is not happy. What you need is mulch. So it's, it's being smothered in other words. Well, d- depends on the carpet. Some of them are rubber backed and, you know, then they'll break down and you'll end up with little chunks all over the place. Or it might be wool. I mean... They don't yes. all necessarily break down, which would would be the best option. If it breaks down and disappears and the worms eat it, that's great. But if it's nylon, no, it's just a long-term a problem, 
short-term okay. fix, long-term problem. What I don't mind is layers of newspaper uh, soaked in in a seaweed concentrate in a wheelbarrow, spread around, and then a, a thicker mulch on top of that, whether it's wood chips, just the cheap and, yeah, chop and chop type ones, or right. a, a soft mulch like a lupin mulch or pea hay. So right. something natural that is actually going to feed and help the soil and the tree. All right. Thank you very much. All right. So you think you think it would could be the carpet smothering the tree roots that it's not doing so well? Well, kumquat trees are shallow-rooted, and I, d- I don't ah. think the carpet will be providing a benefit to the tree. No. So, yeah, let's let's do it right. All right, then. Thank you very much. Okay. Good luck, Anna. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And Jan of City Beach phoned in and her daughter is a vet. They don't recommend poisons, of course, killing rats. They use a polyfiller and bran mixed. It's dry and the polyfiller sets in their tummy when eaten. I also have a friend who said that if you can use plaster of Paris, that to get to the food, they have to step through the plaster of Paris that's been mixed up and it gets on their feet. They lick it off, gets into the stomach, sets like concrete. Mm. Nice. Can we, can we just talk about plants? <laughs> I know, I know. And so speaking of Barragup, Norma, good morning. Oh, Hi, yes, Norma. Good morning, girls. How are you this morning? It's a lovely morning. It, it is, is a lovely morning. I have the best rat story. Oh, okay. Um, some some years back, we, we've been in our house 40-odd years and we've had dead rats in the roof and they get smelly. And yep. <clears throat> one afternoon, we're sitting in our spa and down the, we, we have verandas, down the timbers come a family of rats. And oh. they go down and then into the garden. And we were just, must have been six or eight rats. So I got to, and got two of the big rat traps. And we have wooden beams holding the roof. And he tied a rat trap on both sides. And within a week, he'd... He got eight rats, wow. and it worked perfectly. We also we had these big lizards that live in the roof, so we didn't want to put anything up there to mm, no. you know, kill them. But that worked. So it's the rat trap on the side of the poles, and yeah, your rat dead. Yeah, no. Thank you, Norma. Thank you for the You're input. Welcome. We appreciate it, love. Okay, you have a great day. You too. Bye, okay, Norma. Cheers for that. And we're in Stake Hill. Some of these places like Barragup and Stake Hill, um, I'm geographically challenged. I don't know where. Stake Hill is Beldivis, I believe. Okay. Mm. And hi. Hi, Stake Hill's Mandurah. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Just past Beldivis? Before Beldivis. Okay. Yeah. We're in the middle middle there, you know, just Mm. one of those little things that pop up. Mm. But I'm going to talk about lavender. And I want to talk lavender in relation to rats. Okay. Because years ago I worked in a veggie shed and he had a terrible problem with rats. And, I mean, they were dying all over the place. And mm. I read a natural book that said, prune your lavender, throw it around, and the rats don't like the smell. Rats and mice don't like the smell of lavender. Mm. So that's what I did. And guess what? No more rats, no more mice, no more Right. So now, hedges. When you're pruning... Don't ever throw them away. Throw them around. I've put 
because I live on a five-acre block, so I live in the country, mm. and I used to live further south. And so every time I prune my lavender, I throw all the clippings around the chookyard, the sheds, um, and sometimes I chuck them up in the roof. But because I've got it outside, I don't get any, I haven't touched wood, had any in my house. But the lavender promise works, and it doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't exactly. Oh, I like that, Anne. Thank you. All right, let's leave the rat stories out now. (laughs) But that's a good good story. Yeah. But I finished it with lavender, so that's good. It's a plant. You wanted a plant. Yes. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Have a good day. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. 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 Okay. And would you like to win some tree rings? These are compact fertilizer rings made from repurposed materials. They provide precision fertilizer placement optimizing the nutrition of trees and plants to enhance their growth and stimulate fruit or flowering you simply snap a tree ring in half place it at the base of your plant or tree and you've fertilized it for 12 months it breaks down naturally into the soil and improves the quality of the soil as it does you can find out more at treerings.com.au if you'd like to win a pack you do need to be able to collect uh, the pack, there's 20 tree rings in this pack. You would need to go to tree rings themselves and they are located on Midland Road in Hazelmere. So if you can trek to Midland Road, Hazelmere and you'd like to win a pack of tree rings, be the third caller through now to Bev on 94841927. Of course, you must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days so you can hop to it. Uh, Philomena from Girraween, lots of stray cats, any solution? Perhaps contact her shire. Yes, absolutely. Mm. No, I do, I, you don't hear of that so much. What's that, stray cats? Mm. Oh, they're around, absolutely. Yeah, they're around. We've got them around our way, up on what we call the island near where we live and uh, feral cats and what have you. So, Oh, feral animals across the board are a nuisance, aren't yeah. they? Anyway, let's talk about gardening. Pleasant, pleasant things. <laughs> All right, okay. I do have to mention our car show tomorrow. Just looking at the time, yes, it's happening uh, tomorrow and uh, we're all due for a, an outing, aren't we? And we are. this is the outing, live entertainment all day. 20 core gourmet food stalls, 20 market stalls and nearly 600 cars on display, military vehicles, buses, trucks and race cars registered as well. Now, it's just $10 to come in and $5 if you're a Curtin FM member and all the money raised goes to the Curtin Radiothon and Camp Quality. It is really so much more than just a car show, folks. 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. tomorrow with plenty of free parking. Uh, The Curtin FM Car Show is a fully COVID-compliant event at Trinity Playing Fields, corner of Manning and Elderfield Road in Waterford, and it's sponsored by Wanneroo Jeep and Ram, Bursons, Auto Parts, Buildwise Solutions and Specs Plus. On tomorrow, 10 to 3, at the Playing Fields, corner of Manning and Elderfield Road in Waterford. Trinity Playing Fields. Such a treat that they'll be able to have it this year. Well, it got washed out last year. It was, yeah, a real pity. So Mm. weather is key, so it's going to be fine. And you know the way things are at the moment. I I just stand in the pouring rain. I don't care. (laughs) We'll be there, won't we, Faye? Singing and dancing Uh, in the rain. Exactly. So (laughs) we, we shall be there tomorrow ourselves having a good look. And with the 
the rules that have changed, mm-hmm. the Fern Society would have been limited to 40 at their meeting. And so the venue for that is John Banasavich's garden meeting tomorrow. Visitors are welcome. It starts from 2 o'clock. What a treat. If people do want more information, his number is 94171001. Okay. Excellent. So there's always plants for sale, raffle, afternoon tea, garden. Just going to John Benesavage's garden is enough. Trust Mm. me, it's enough. It's just the best experience you'll ever have if you're into ferns. And and, COVID restrictions are in place. I'll be on the gate. To marshal marshal it. Okay. Check facts, Mm -hmm. uh, certificates. Now, Gail has sent us in an email. This was from a couple of weeks ago, and I I think I did reply, but it was also the catalyst for us getting in contact with Ben Mayo, who is an avid horticulturalist and passionate plants person, and he will be joining us on the show at Easter talking about salvias. Can't wait. I know he has a wealth of knowledge. He has a collection. But I, I did love the start of Gail's email it said hello to the gardening team your show is better than any doctor's visit for feeling happy and on top of the world have potted up some of my bulbs as per advice listening to Bob Melville and looking forward to their smiley faces now Ray I have potted up some of my older bulbs Mm -hmm. and the new ones that came on Valentine's Day I popped into the cupboard and then yesterday I opened up the the cupboard And my Easter lilies are on 30 centimetre stems. Growing all by themselves. They're white. They can't wait. So I I planted them late yesterday. How terrible is that? Well, we all do stuff like that, (laughs) don't we? It's hard. Being busy. But it must have given you a surprise just the same. I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, (laughs) They're just just going, man. They're not waiting for you. Yeah, I've got a couple of photos that, you know, I could caption. uh, When should I plant my bulbs? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) With that. That yeah. photo, and yeah. when should I repot this? And I've actually got a couple of plants that the trunks are as big as the pot sitting in the ground. One oh. is an elderflower, yeah. and the other one is a rock nest island pine that I put at the back of my pool garden, and it's now turned into a tree, yeah. and the pot is still wrapped around its trunk. Good grief. I know. Okay. Yeah, we all do stuff. It's it's we just got so much going on. We do our best, right? We do. Okay, now we do have a winner for the tree rings, Margaret from Kingsley. Thanks for playing with us this morning, Margaret. So we'll be in contact with you during the week. We'll connect you through to tree rings and arrange a time for you to go and collect them up in Hazelmere. And a big thanks to Tree Rings uh, for the prizes they've done the last five weeks. They've offered us these fabulous prizes each week. Thanks, guys. Uh, to Jessica out there. Uh, fab- fabulous. We've been uh, really delighted in being able to give away uh, your tree rings to the listeners. What shall we do? Well, let's go to Leeming. Christine, good morning. Good morning, girls. How are you? Good, good. thanks, Christine. Yes, I was um, splitting my strawberry plants and putting some new um, potting mix into my raised they're like the galvanised um, metal yes. beds. Yes. Um, and when I was digging it over, I discovered copious numbers of these white, kind of transparent grubs. Mm-hmm. They um, would be sounding like curl grubs, so they sort of 
pearl around in a sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're about three centimetres. They're quite healthy looking by the look of them. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, they are the larvae of a beetle. Often uh-huh. if people find them, they'll go, oh, no, that's black beetle, get rid of them. But unless you're an entomologist and have got them under a microscope, even then mm. it's hard to differentiate. You know, okay. a lot of people, you know, say, oh, we don't see the Christmas beetles anymore. Well, that's also what their larva look like. Uh, okay, so yeah. They they generally don't eat live roots unless they're mm-hmm. in massive numbers and they've run out of um, the other, uh, their food, you know. So mm-hmm. I would suggest, like me personally, I would throw them into another part of the garden that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I guess they might be a problem in a pot where there is nothing else to eat. Yeah, because there's a lot of them. I got a shock when I turned it over. Mm. I thought, ooh, there's a but, lot there. Do I you know, empty all that and start it, you know, start again or what? Yeah. Beetles are, are one of the largest population of insects. Yeah. And and they're wonderful pollinators too. So they're very important to have in our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So they're not gonna eat the I found that the strawberries I noticed normally they're they're growing right across, and I've actually got a fish to get the separate them out. And this time, a lot of them had already died off, and I thought that's unusual. But then when I found the beetle, the grubs, mm. I wonder whether they might have actually attacked them. <laughs> well, they may have if they'd run out of the the dead food. They eat the roots. Yeah, they can, but they don't. Yeah, it it would be their second choice. Mm. Okay, so. so they're not going to cause me great problems otherwise <laughs> i i don't believe so and you yeah. know what maybe if you've got a, a bucket of compost that you could put them into and just leave yeah. them you you could do your own trial and wait for them to hatch okay all right then so yeah because uh, i just wasn't sure whether I, I didn't want to poison anything but i just want to make sure that if they're in there in huge numbers they're just going to keep expanding so there's nowhere for them to go yeah all right, and of course, the closer they get to the end of their cycle, um, that they may not be there for very long at all before they turn into a pupa and hatch out as a beetle. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what is it? What's the normal cycle? Do you have any idea what that would be? Time-wise, no. And because no. we don't know what type of beetle it is, yeah, um, yeah. yeah raising it would, would okay. tell us a bit more about it. Okay, oh, I'm, I know someone that works at the ag department. Maybe <laughs> give somebody in to have a look at. Mm. <laughs> All right then. Okay, no worries. I oh, thank you for that. I just wanted to make sure I didn't want to poison anything that. Thank you, Christine. Killed off. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thanks for your advice. Have a great weekend, okay. girls. You too, love. Take See care. Then, yeah. Cheers for that. Bye. And we will be back shortly. Captain Radio. About 15 minutes left of Let's Talk Gardening this morning. We're straight back out to the lines. We're in Butler. Chris, good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you today? Hi, good thanks, Chris. Love that little bird chirping in the background there. Uh, It's my weirros. A little bit of aesthetic. uh, What I want to ask you about, I've got about 15 or so birds and I end up with a lot of um, the old husks and everything from when they're feeding. Yes. What can I do with that? Instead of throwing it in a bin, you can to uh, use it as a uh, compost or something. Yep, you. Oh, I was just saying to Ray. Yeah, we're um, just talking about it. Like fresh bird seed, you could 
well, in theory, throw on the ground, let it sprout and then dig it back in like a green manure crop, but you don't know where that seed has come from and there's a, a chance that you could end up with something that's a little bit weedy in your garden. Uh, certainly your worm farm and compost bin. So in a, a worm farm, the worms don't eat anything that grows, but if you bury it, it will break down and it will be consumed in a worm farm. I mean, I've, uh, I haven't got room for a uh, worm farm or anything, but uh, what if I just dug a big hole in my uh, veggie patch and threw it all in there? Well, if you've got room for that, Chris, you could do an in-ground worm farm where you've got something like a bucket with the hole cut out of the bottom, put on the on the ground and put a lid on top and then you can just put it into there and water it down and the worms can also um, get in from underneath or you could drill holes into the side of the bucket and the worms can free range in and out. Uh, yeah, because I have got plenty of those worms in my veggie patch. Right, okay. So an in-ground in worm farm would work very, very well. Mm. Okay, then I'll get that on mine. Thank right. you very much, ladies. You're Good welcome. on you, Chris. Thanks, thanks for that. I think we might give away something else because I'm looking at the clock and we do have the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. And I've got two great emails from previous winners. We've got one come in this morning. This is from Cheryl. And she's just wanting to say thank you to Bigger Trees. Uh, she went to the nursery yesterday, came away with a beautiful coconut ice grevillea, a plum gorgeous, an azalea and a few more lovely plants. Such a beautiful nursery and it won't be long before Cheryl visits again. So she's saying you know, many thanks for the show. And we've got a great email during the week as well from Pamela Rob and she went to Bigger Trees to use her gift voucher a few weeks ago and she was just absolutely raving. Uh, she certainly came away with quite a lot here. She's uh, said she had a fabulous mixed succulent arrangement uh, in a hanging basket that she got and a nice variegated jade uh, which was interesting and a gorgeous gardenia and she said she didn't know there were so many varieties of gardenia and uh, a lovely member of the bromeliad family and she had a cryptanthus uh what i don't know that one what is the is it, that it's um probably bromeliad yeah. family smaller yeah. leaf i and i imagine them as being she said it has reddish. lovely interesting leaves mm. a jar of local honey and a fancy <laughs> plant pot as Ooh, well. She's and, done very and well. And then she went to the nearby core site of the lunch. So, yeah, you can make a day of it, can't you? Go out and have lunch because you're kind of mm. out up Pickering Brook direction. There's some great eateries up there. And pop in and uh, have yourself a, a beautiful day. And she was also saying how much she loved their frangies and their varieties. And so she's really wrapped with her voucher from Bigger Tree. So thanks for writing in, Pamela, and letting us know. So if you'd like to join... Uh, these previous winners, here is your opportunity. You must be a Curtain Radio member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Now, the latest news from Bigger Trees is that they have just launched their new online shopping service, which is already up and running. So check out the Bigger Trees website, which is biggertrees.com.au, and you can find out more info on their Facebook page as well. Here's your question. What does the word bonsai mean? What does the word bonsai mean? Give Bev a call, 94841927. Hop two. Okay. Now, an email came in from Karen last week, and it's a 
beautiful looking butterfly. So she said, I thought you might be interested in this. Last Sunday, this beautiful blood of butterfly flew into our suburban garden in Currambine. Absolutely gorgeous. But when we Googled, it looks like what they call an orchard swallowtail or large citrus. But it's not found in WA. Her husband had found the caterpillar in June last year. Could this be the result? And where did it come from? By the way, love your garden show. So, yes, it, it is a orchard swallowtail. They have been reported around the Perth metropolitan area. There's a photo of the gorgeous caterpillar, Hippotion Solario, I believe. I actually, no, I don't think that is, that is not the same. That is a different one, I believe. Um, now, the orchard swallowtail is an introduced species mm. and it was let go in Albany some years ago. Yes, they are beautiful, but there is a risk in that the food plant is the citrus. So to our growers who have citrus orchards, they can do a, a bit of damage. And the other problem with them is that they are also in some of our native forests. Eat, the caterpillars are eating some of our native plants. So that is not a good thing. I know they're a beautiful butterfly, but... No, that's not. Yeah, it's a, it's sad. It's a bitter-edged sword, I'm afraid. Introduced mm. species that has potential to do a lot of damage to, damage to our citrus industry and mm. native flora. Okay. Let me see. We've got lots of activity out there. People trying to win the Bigger Trees gift voucher. We can go to a break, uh, and when we're on the other side of it, you've got a few more emails yet. Okay, yes. shan't be long. Been a great morning for Let's Talk Gardening. Lots of information, lots of questions, lots of prizes being given away. Absolutely. I just want to say, uh, Karen's caterpillar photo yeah. is actually the caterpillar is a hawk moth, Hippotion solario. So not the same butterfly that mm. matches. Okay. So they're two this different orchard things. Swallowtail. Mm. Okay. And is he a bad guy or a good guy, the uh, hawk moth? I've not found them in large quantities and mm. hence, you know, just let it be. Mm. Mm. We we have a planet to conserve. If we try and manage everything, uh, you know, sometimes we can upset the balance. So, mm. oh, it's a big, big question, isn't it? Anyway, Ray, Kathy has sent in a lovely photo of a haemanthus or blood lily. Ah, yes. Now, with this also came a blueberry bush that mm. has been very healthy until four days ago. Uh, what What is wrong with it? Well, something appears to be not quite right. I don't know if it's dried out. I don't know if the stem has got damaged and it's just one stem. Some blueberries will actually drop their leaves mm. Uh and, you know, they're deciduous or semi-deciduous. Has it been fertilised? Check the roots. Is it growing in the pot? I, you know, I do have So many variables that you need to answers. know yeah, yeah. to so be able to num- diagnose it. Number one, I think working out what the exact plant is, knowing what the variety, then that will tell us whether it is deciduous or should be evergreen. Mm. So a lot of plants are getting yellow leaves right now. Well, yeah, they it, are. It's mm. timely that 
a lot of plants will drop leaves. Some of them are pulling the new nutrients out of their older leaves to produce new leaves. Uh, so they might be hungry. Uh, once we understand what the plant's habits are, then we better know how to manage it. Mm. Well said. Mm. Let's go to some more flowers, Ray. Look else, what else I've got in here today. It's I'm just lemongrass. Ah, uh, yes. That has a lot of different uh, uses as well, mm. doesn't it, lemongrass? Mm. Very mm. fragrant, very easy to grow. So I've brought in some rooted pieces. Jim, you can take some home today too. <laughs> <laughs> We've got lots of plants that are starting to go to flower now in the garden. So dill and fennel and parsley. Uh, they'll be putting up their flower heads and they're great flowers to bring in the better beneficial insects into your garden. And then if you've got a happy, healthy habitat, you'll get birds and lizards and everything starts to look after itself a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, I look for. I hope I'm taking that bunch home. Oh, yes, there's some beautiful dahlias in there. That Now, I'm cheeky, I was just girl. quickly going to say, dahlias have a hollow stem, so... When you're going to use them as picked flowers, dip the bottom of their stems, do a square cut, dip them into hot water, and that will seal, seal their bottom uh -huh. before you put them in a vase. That's a very good tip. When you do tip. put them in a vase to keep the water fresh, mm. add sugar, bleach, and white vinegar into the water. Sugar, bleach, and white vinegar. Mm. Okay, that's a concoction. And that'll keep them going. And it will keep the water clear, free of bacteria, and the sugar is a preservative. Is that so just for these guys or? Flowers in general. Flowers in general. Mm. Okay. Now, look, it appears that we don't have a winner for the $75 gift voucher. Obviously, the question is a little bit too hard for you guys. Look, here it is again. What does the word bonsai mean? What does the word bonsai mean? If you'd like to win a $75 gift voucher, be in the mail to you this week from Bigger Trees up in Pickering Brook. Give us a call now on 94841927. It's not as difficult. You could certainly Google the answer on that one. And uh, obviously to be a Curtain Radio member and not to win a prize in the last 28 days. It's not easy, guys, I understand. Okay, I shall move on. Oh, I was just going to say about the apricots, Ray. Mm. Uh, after the third year, prune our old spurs to make way for new ones. Flower buds open on one-year-old wood and later as the tree matures on older spurs. So the key is we're looking for one-year-old wood, So, which is why we're not pruning back hard. Mm. Now, in the event of the lady who had given the tree a hard cut back already mm. waiting for those flowers to appear so this is why you would wait for spring because you can then see where the fruit is going to develop and you can cut back to that mm. and then they will form spurs which will take you through the next two to three years so would a one year would be considered old or new 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 wood mm. okay yeah i I would think it's, yeah. it gets very tricky, doesn't it? It's a minefield. <laughs> it is, and you know, once once yeah. you've worked on that one tree, because you know, many people might only have a half a dozen trees. You get to know what mm. needs attention and when it and needs when it, it needs it. Yeah, quite right. Actually, I know you sent me some information uh, a few weeks ago on Facebook, and it was about watering succulents and adeniums. Mm. And uh, my aunt actually has a beautiful desert rose. 
and it's always been a real specimen and she she literally carries it around and 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 puts it in the best position you know she she loves this thing and uh she started to just water it from it's in a pot from the base of the pot and rather than general waters and it's just gone crazy mm. just gone crazy just something little like that if you know your plants and you understand their requirements yeah. and yes it's all different that's that's the fun of the challenge this 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 plant has just absolutely gone gangbusters mm. by simply one small change in the way that it's watered. Yep. Isn't that and interesting? And she, she knows it. She's specialised she, in she's, it. She's seen it for herself. Mm. Yeah, just amazing, right? And we do have a winner uh, of the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees, Alan from Willerton, our good buddy, Alan. Congratulations, Alan. That'll be in the mail to you this week. There might be more than one Alan in Willerton. Well, there could be. Pardon me. Pardon me. <laughs> but I, I hope it's our Alan. Our Alan. Yes. Okay. And what does the word bonsai mean? The answer is tray planting or planting in a tray. Oh. Okay. Not too complicated. So I hope you enjoy that, Alan. Been a good morning. We've covered a lot as we do. Uh, we hope to get along to the car show tomorrow and we shall both be back next week. What else? Let, let it We've rain. We've got Angie from Yates next week talking about potting mix. She's had COVID yeah. in the family, um, so oh, hence yeah. the delay in getting her. And, and and potting mix is you started this, Jim. You started this up, and uh, so we're still carrying through on that. So, look, thanks everyone uh, for your company this morning, and our gardening team, Bev Daring and John Glidden. My gardenism for the morning is in every change, in every falling leaf. There is some pain, some beauty, and that's the way new leaves grow. You'll have to think about that for the double meaning. Jim Cronin, Classic 60s is next, then Brendan T and Born in Boots from 12 noon. We are done. Take care, everyone. Keep safe and we'll be talking at you again next Saturday morning. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.